Hi there, and welcome back to Gravity, the digital marketing entrepreneur's podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants, and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe to the show in your podcast player. That way you don't miss new weekly episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. Content marketing is a ton of work. Making it work and being consistent is really hard and the secret to unlocking it sustainably is repurposing. Natalie Haley runs content and repurposing agency Hot Content. In this episode, she shares her journey and what makes her business work. So welcome along and let's meet Natalie. Week, I'm joined by Natalie Haley from Hot Content. Natalie, do you want to just start by introducing yourself, who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, as you say, um, I have a business called Hot Content. I'm based in Cumbria, which is just on the edge of the Lake District. Um, so, very beautiful, but very wet. And um, I run my business from home. I'm lucky to have a virtual team. Um, that I am able to be based from home, which I absolutely love. Um, Mainly I focus on helping other businesses um, and other entrepreneurs actually produce, promote and um, repurpose their content. So I tend to work with either YouTubers, podcasters or people who produce a regular blog. Um, So for a YouTuber, for example, I will take their um, edited video and physically upload it to YouTube, publish it um, onto YouTube, optimize it, and then repurpose it into a blog post for their website and into various other things, such as their uh, broadcast to their email subscribers. And a similar thing for podcasts really as well, as you know yourself, producing and publishing a podcast weekly or fortnightly is very, very time intensive. Um, So it's really just letting content creators do their part, focus on what they're doing best, doing the interviews for the podcast, recording the videos, and then me taking over from that point and getting it out there to be seen by as many people as possible. I think that that pretty much sums it up, really. And what proportion of your your customers would be sort of content creator types as opposed to traditional businesses that we might sort of, most digital uh, marketing people would work with? Yeah, I would say, thinking about it, um it's probably about 50 50 so i would say 50 percent of the the clients of, of my clients are running businesses and they are creating you know probably traditional you know traditional businesses and creating blog content or a podcast alongside that and then probably the other 50 percent are more personal brands um so they may be you know they may speak internationally and have a youtube channel which helps them then get more speaking gigs um, and that kind of thing. So yeah, that, that other 50%, they're more focused on, on their personal brand and they're producing their content, their blog, their podcast or their video to actually further establish that, that personal brand to help them do whatever it is they want to do. Like I say, whether it's get more speaking gigs or whether it's sell more books, basically. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's quite varied, but it's probably a 50-50 split really at the moment. And obviously that's a very specific slice of the digital marketing space that you occupy there the content repurposing basically taking what the creator has generated and making it work for them Mm. 
obviously that has taken you, you've been on a journey to get to that particular slice. What did that journey look like? Yeah, it's, um, well, I think like when you ask most people, um, they often say that they haven't quite ended up where they thought, thought they would. And actually it's really true that, you know, your, your audience kind of dictates where your business goes, not the other way around actually. And when I first started this business a couple of years ago, I had envisaged that I would be involved more in the creation side of the content. And really the focus was more on blog content, um, actually helping and, and physically creating businesses blogs from scratch. Um, and I wouldn't say I kind of stumbled into what I'm doing now, but I was given the opportunity um, by some you know, current clients to help them with their YouTube videos. Um, it's actually, mutual friends of ours Andrew and Pete mm. and they sort of said they were looking for somebody who had the copywriting skills and, and could help with the content creation side of things but also do the more kind of technical side of things like the YouTube optimization and physically uploading um, to YouTube and physically working on the, the back end of their website uploading the blog and formatting and everything um, so I started um, doing that kind of work for them and sort of realized that it was kind of a bit of a niche, really. As you say, it's fairly easy to find people who, it's fairly easy to find copywriters and it's fairly easy to find people who are working on the more you know, techie side of things, but you don't often get the two combined. So it kind of made me think, you know, if I can do it for clients like, like them, there must be so many other people out there who need a similar service. And from there, I kind of put some packages together. So packages for YouTubers, packages for um, podcasters and for, for bloggers. And it, at that point in my business, that was when it all changed, really. Um, I think before then, you know, I was sort of sporadically helping businesses with blogs, sporadically, um, you know, doing copywriting work here and there. But it was only when I put packages together and got really clear in my mind about the kind of people I could help and what I had to offer. That was when everything turned around for me really. But it's not, it's not always easy to get to that point. Um, as you know yourself, there is often a period of time where you're, you think you want to do something, where you're going down a particular path um, and either something happens or you make the decision that you've got to make something, make a, a big change, you've got to pivot. Um, for me, yeah, it just happened to be I was given that opportunity and it, it showed me that there was a real opportunity there. So, When you said that that's when things turned around for you, often mm. when we're discussing a pivot, it's not a turning around, it's more of a, an adjustment. Mm. When that happened for you, were you at the point where you actually weren't very happy with the way things were? Yeah, um, I think everybody goes through it but we and we all have those times where we think oh those really low points where you just think is this all worth it you know genuinely am I ever going to get anywhere am I ever going to really start you know making a real business out of this um should I just go and get a proper job um I've had so many of those um periods of time and yeah I think that was the turning point for me. And obviously I, I still have those moments. You still have those moments of doubt and you still have the, you know, the down days. But um, for the most part, you know, since 
since that sort of pivot or adjustment, as you say, um, I haven't had as many of those, which is yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah, it is um, very very liberating when you actually hit this sweet spot of what mm. you enjoy doing, what's really mm. aligned with your vocation is such an overused word, mm. but your own personal sense of mission when it's fun, when it makes money, mm. and when you feel this is actually a journey I'm enjoying rather Absolutely. than a journey that's hard work. And it's such a cliche and people talk all the time about finding a niche and owning a niche. And it, before you found it, it's so frustrating to hear because you know it's true and everyone says it, but until you found it, you're like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? Just, you know, pick something and, you know, it, it isn't easy getting to that point. And for a lot of people, I guess they don't ever get to that point. But when you do, it is true what they say that, things start slotting into place and it becomes easier to do everything. It becomes easier to sell yourself because you know exactly what it is you're offering and you know exactly where your strengths are and how you can help people. It becomes easier to create content because you know exactly who you're talking to and what they need from you. Um, you know, even things like creating, you know, lead magnets, um, you know, the, what we offer to uh, in exchange for somebody's email, ebooks or, or whatever else, or downloads or checklists, even that becomes so much easier because, you know, you can pinpoint exactly what your audience needs from you, what little problem that they have, what quick win you can offer them with a, you know, a checklist or, or whatever else. Things like that become so much easier. Um, and your confidence builds as well, because... Um, that sort of a lot of the the self doubt and questioning disappears because you you much firmer on to say what who you are and and what you can offer so you can be much more confident when you're you know selling and and marketing yourself so yeah. it it is yeah as I say it's frustrating until you found it but it is true that when you do everything just starts falling into place really yeah I, I have to agree I mean I put off niching for a long, mm. long time. Mm. But when it happened, and I would say it happened rather than I planned it, mm. the, the sense of freedom and mm. clarity that you get from that is mm. difficult to describe. And a lot of agencies, yeah. I think they really resist that niching because they're saying no to so many people, mm. um, not realizing how much more effective everything else suddenly becomes. Mm. It does, definitely. And I think, well, you know, in this, this industry, in this space, everyone's doing something very similar but we are all different somehow and you know like you say it is very liberating when you work out what that difference is and how you how you can stand out from other people and you know and it just helps everybody else as well it makes it the other thing is it really makes it a lot easier for people to refer business to you as well yeah. once they understand exactly where you sit um, it's a it's a momentum it's a snowball effect because you, you then start getting more business I think through referral because people are just much clearer on how you can help them and how you can help their clients or other people that they're trying to help so yeah it's uh, it's got many many benefits one of the things with your ideal customer now which is the content creator is it's actually People think the internet is a very big place, but in terms of the creator space, um, mm. it's actually quite a tight knit community. Mm. And I'd be interested to know from you what your marketing now looks like in order to reach your ideal customer. Mm. 
Could you paint that picture for me a little bit? Yeah. So mainly, um, well, there's a few things really. I would say the podcast. Um, so I started the podcast. Well, the next episode, which comes out on Tuesday, will be episode forty-nine, I think. Um, I could be wrong on that. Um, so I started that um, early last year, 2019, and that has become my main form of content. Well, it's really my only form of content creation now. Um, and I target the, the, the kind of guests that I get on sort of advanced um, content, you know, advanced content creators who are giving away sort of their their one hot thing, their one, you know, big hack that they use to kind of grow their business. Um, so I think because the content strategies are slightly more advanced, hopefully that's attracting people who are really serious about creating content and quite dedicated about producing content on a regular basis. And they are the kind of people that I'm interested in because there's no point working with a client who hasn't yet grasped the concept of you know regular content um production and the importance of that it's really hard work uh, when you have to you know still convince somebody that that's important so i'm only really interested in working with people who already get that and who already understand how important that is and that kind of person would be interested in listening to my podcast because it's all about that kind of thing um, so I guess that's that's the first thing. It was thinking about what's the best medium for me. I did have a blog, but to be quite honest with you, I just didn't enjoy. I just didn't enjoy putting it out there, and I would it would hang over me, and I would dread it. Whereas the podcast, never thought I'd have a podcast, but I absolutely love it. Mm. It's the best thing I've ever done. Even if I didn't have the business, I'd probably still do the podcast. Because yeah, right there with you. It's surprisingly fun. It is. I love the people you get to chat to and I love the whole process. I love the whole process. And I think that as well is what helped me work out how I could help other people because I've done the whole setting up my own podcast and producing that on a used to be weekly, it's now fortnightly basis. Saw how much time went into that and, and every tiny detail that's involved and actually really enjoyed it. So again, that's been great for my business just from that, that point of view. Um, but yeah, in terms of my marketing, the other thing was I kind of thought about my social media channels. So again, I went down the classic road and made the classic mistake of trying to be everywhere. Um, and actually kind of made a bit of a shift. I wasn't on Instagram until probably not even a year ago. And now actually that's where I do most of my, that's where I am. I put a lot of personal stuff on there and I use it very much from a personal life as well, but I use it just as much for, you know, for the business side of things. So that's where I tend to promote the podcast most heavily. That's where I tend to, um, you know, talk about the business most. I do have a presence on the other channels, but I don't know. Instagram just seems to be for me where my ideal clients are present. And they tend to be managing their own accounts on Instagram, whereas I'm never sure whether, because of the, the sort of the caliber and level of client that I'm dealing with, whether they necessarily manage their own Twitter or Facebook account. But I do know that they are the ones that are on a daily basis on Instagram. Um, so it's, it's thinking about that. But again, I didn't know before when I was on all of the channels, I didn't really know who my clients were. Um, in the early days, I 
had this lovely notion of kind of working with women, um, women in business, women who, you know, were sort of juggling home and family and work life, which is, you know, my situation. Um, and had this lovely, you know, this lovely dream of just helping, helping women. But in reality, the kind of women and businesses that I was targeting, they needed the support and the help, but unfortunately they didn't have the budget to work with someone like myself, which, you know, sounds, it sounds brutal, but at the end of the day, you know, we all have to make money and we're, we're businesses at the end of the day. So I had to really rethink that strategy. Um, so, so yeah, again, not only sort of finding your niche and what you offer, but working out who your client is, that, that means you can work out where they are. So for me, I think they, they're the, the two biggest elements of my marketing are the podcast and then promoting that podcast on Instagram and talking about my business on Instagram. But it's just as important for me, I think, to reveal my life behind the scenes, which I do quite a lot on Instagram. Um, I love Instagram stories now and um, you know I'll document things such like we've been renovating a house and um, so I've documented quite a lot of that on Instagram stories and I think it just gives people an insight into who you are outside of work hours and gives people an idea of your personality and you get to know people um, and it, it is true because people want to work with people so yeah. you know I, I think it's Instagram is a great platform for that and I have to say I love your new kitchen Looks thank amazing. you <laughs> <laughs> you see if it wasn't for Instagram you'd never know although I think I did post it on Facebook as well but um <laughs> thank you yeah I'm very I'm a very very happy lady now <laughs> yeah no I, I grew up on a building site my, my father built his own house so I know right. exactly how you feel you know it's, yeah it's just a long long process you would you don't appreciate how long it takes. No, there's still so much to do, but this this has been a big milestone. It's made a huge difference already. So it, the rest of it, yes, while there's still a lot to do, it feels much more manageable now. Yeah. And that kind of neatly brings me to another question, which I would always ask anybody who's involved in the content space. Mm. It really boils down to how do you manage your time? Because content mm. is probably the most time hungry piece of the marketing mix mm -hmm. it's so easy to get lost down rabbit holes with content mm. so do you have a process that you typically work rigidly to or is it a time management process or i think i've got into quite a good routine now um so in terms of my own content i i do most of the podcasts well i obviously do the interviews myself and i do most of the publishing and promoting it myself but I do outsource a little bit of that um so the bit that I do I tend to try and have I'm only doing my fortnightly now mm. which is still obviously quite a, a chunk of time but it, it has taken the pressure off slightly but I try and set aside a day to just focus on on that basically and try and really do that justice and then in terms of, of client work, I do try and have a set day a week for each client um, because they tend, they tend to be producing uh, content on a weekly basis. So they'll have a set day when their YouTube video is published or when their podcast goes out. So that's quite good for me because it means that I can then work backwards from that and say, well, you know, if their podcast or video goes out on the Thursday, I'm going to make sure that Tuesday is my set day, for example, to work on their content. So for the most part, 
yeah I've got into a good rhythm but as you say it's it's the biggest challenge for any um any business owner particularly when you're working from home as well there isn't that same divide between you know home and, and work life and for me I tend to work around the children and their school drop-offs and pickups so I'm very lucky in a lot of senses that I don't have to put them in after school club I don't have to re- rely on childcare. At the same time, obviously, that does limit me to quite a short working day. So I will often, um, more often than not, catch up in an evening. So, you know, we'll break off when they finish school. And then when they've gone to bed, I'll tend to catch up. Just, you know, working on the laptop on the sofa while Steve's watching TV, which I actually don't mind. You know, it sounds, you know, I think to people who don't have their own business, they think that sounds pretty grim. But I think when you do have your own business, you don't mind because you know you're doing it for you and your family aren't you so yeah and uh, because swings and roundabouts there are trade-offs all the way through (laughs) running your own business and you may yeah you can go out and do the things you need to do during the day and pick up at the evening the Mm -hmm. trade-off is you get a great business that's all yours yes Um, exactly and that flexibility like you say that freedom if you need to take the morning off or the afternoon off or even the full day as long as you know you're happy to catch up with that evenings you know bit of time over the weekend then I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way but you know it's I am a fairly I am a fairly self-disciplined person generally um but even you know there's even even that you know like today I've had one of those days where I've not been particularly I've been doing stuff all day, but I don't think I've been particularly efficient. I've been flitting between one thing and another. <laughs> I have days like that too. Yeah, and I haven't been able to quite just get stuck into anything. Um, it's been a bit frustrating, but, you know, we all have those days. I think it's, as well, sometimes about managing your expectations. I think I wake up every morning and I think, right, what are we going to treat, achieve today? And the bar is set so high. And I think I think it's just kind of accepting that we can't, be amazingly productive and efficient all day every day Mm. Um, but yeah I think I think just settling into some kind of routine and working out what works for you because what works for me will be totally different to everybody else we all have our you know our little ways and different things work differently for different people so I think it's just experimenting and you know listening to other people talk and listening to you know productivity podcasts and stuff like that and getting these little tips um and just trying lots of different things until you find what works for you i think so your clients now i'm curious to know how they find you obviously you have the podcast so the content marketing is there Mm. but and this is a question i always ask every guest Mm. is to understand across the split of content marketing outbound sales activity and referral Mm -hmm. how does it work typically find you i would say um it's really i don't know exactly in percentages but the vast majority of my clients have come through referral um which is fantastic um and then i would say the other chunk has come through people that i've got to know through online membership communities. Um, so for example, I'm part, part of Andrew and Pete's Atomic community. Um, 
and I've been a member of other communities in the past. So I would say that's the other the other way. I, I can't think of a current client or a previous client who hasn't been somebody that I've either met or has been referred to me or somebody that I've got to know in a community. So it's quite interesting, really, when you think of it like that. I, don't, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that, but yeah. But it's, the answer is what I would have expected because of the nature of your mm. client. Uh, yeah. That they tend to exist in a community. Yeah. Um, and if you're part of that community, they'll find you. Whereas yes. if you're selling a niche service to vets, uh, yeah. that would, and it was across the world, then you would have to market in a very different way. Uh, yes. In terms of the community, I know you were at Social Media Marketing for World, for example, and you yeah. go to other events and things like that. But I'm particularly interested to look at Social Media Marketing World and what happens over there and has that yeah. led to a sh with that internationalization of your network has that internationalized your client base um yeah whether or not as a direct result from that it's hard to say but i would say that probably 30 percent of my client base now is u.s based right um yeah and yeah, I seem to be having more and more conversations where time zones <laughs> are an issue or not an issue, but something to get my head around. So it kind of shows that's the way it's potentially going. Um, yeah, when you go to conferences, it's not always easy to directly pinpoint, oh, I got that client or that job because I went to that conference. But I think it's more about the relationship building. So, for example, you know, I've got a couple of upcoming podcast guests that there is no way I would have got them on the podcast had I not been to that conference and talked to them. Yeah. Um, and then who knows where that might lead. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a really important part of the, the, the building relationship process, as it were. And I think just to be seen, to be going to those types of events as well, um, you know, things like I had some photographs taken by Laura Pearman when I was over there. Um, and I thought, well, it, you know, I'm going, so I'm going to make the absolute most of it, you know, of this, of this opportunity and, um, and kind of really shout about it, really. So, you know, things like that, I think it's, it, it is a big part of it is about seem to be part, you know, be part of that and be there. And it was a, an amazing experience. Um, quite overwhelming because it, it is it's huge it's absolutely huge but you know you just have the opportunity to talk to people that you would never you know at any other conference really um and i think it's about you know pushing yourself to make the most of that opportunity and it isn't easy um especially when you're an introvert it's not easy to, to push yourself to go and talk to these people but um if you can it's so important to kind of push yourself and make the most of that opportunity I'm interested to know, you're saying sort of 30% of your clients are US-based now. Mm. And with the podcast being your main content marketing platform, mm. is that reflected in your podcast audience from the stats that you get? Or, or do you not look? Well, I do look at my stats. In fact, I'm a little bit addicted to um, logging on every day and looking at, at podcast downloads. But interesting, that isn't one thing that I've looked at. I'm not even sure whether I can on my particular platform, but I must look because it would be interesting to, interesting to see. What I do know is that my um, 
my email list, um, it does show that quite a significant percentage of the people that are on my um, subscriber list and who interact with my emails are US based. So it will be interesting to see if it reflected in the podcast stats. I'm going to have yeah. to have a look. Yeah. Yeah. Much like you, I'm addicted to looking at the stats. Yeah. I have it on my, the home screen of my phone now, which is one tap. And I'm in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, your podcast is called One Hot Thing, and I really mm. couldn't possibly have you on the podcast <laughs> and not ask you, of all the guests that you've had, what themes do you feel or do you notice coming across in the answers? Um, do you know, I would say it's repurposing which is quite good for me because it's kind of what I focus on. But yeah, um, you know, they don't, by any stretch, they don't all focus on something related to that. But the general theme that seems to run through it is how can we keep doing this consistently and better, but quicker? Mm. Um, and if I think back to, you know, previous episodes that they've all been variations on that and it's, really i'm trying to be very very specific with it but ultimately it's quite productivity how can we be more efficient how can we do more in less time and i think it's a reflection of the fact that you know i'm talking to business owners and the people who are listening to it are tend to be business owners and we are all responsible pretty much apart from what we outsource um everything's down to us so i think we all feel that pressure to do more and more and we want to do more and more but it's not always you know it's about finding the time so it's how can we streamline those processes and be more be more efficient so i would say that's one of the one of the main themes um i suppose the the other sort of second main theme seems to be around video um, and again, whether that's because I am focusing quite a lot on the YouTube side of things, you know, getting involved with that for, for different clients, um, whether that's affected who I choose to come on the podcast subconsciously, um, and therefore that's, you know, genuinely what they're going to talk about. But I think video is definitely the other, the other big thing that, that people are sort of saying, well, if you... If you want to be more efficient, if you want to be able to repurpose, then video is the best place to start because, you know, from a video, you can then take the audio, you can then, you know, repurpose it into a lot of different ways, more than you can with a podcast or a blog, for example. So, yeah, repurposing and video, I would say, are two key things that stick out. And obviously being a podcaster, it's an audio format. Mm. Obviously, we're doing this on video now because for very much the same reason that if we have the video, we also have the audio. Mm. Um, has that changed your plans for your own content marketing from what you've mm. learned from those guests? Yeah, well, whether I will tweak things in the future or near future, I'm not quite sure at the moment. Um, I did actually experiment uh, at the end of last year with with that actually with recording my podcast interviews live on Facebook um so that meant that yeah I did have the full the full video which I then just stripped the audio from and put it on the podcast but I think the problem with that yeah I got some engagement and yeah it was it wasn't really any extra effort basically to to do it this way um but I don't think Facebook is where my audience are. So I think that was the problem with it. I think if you 
if, if it is, that would definitely be the way to go. Um, but I think, think for me, that's probably why it didn't gain traction because the people that, that I'm kind of engaging with aren't engaging with me necessarily on my Facebook page. It's, as I say, it's more Instagram. Um, but yeah, whether I decide to do something more video based, but on Instagram, it's definitely something that I could think about and probably should start thinking about in the near yeah. future. I'm curious to know, and again, this is a numbers question and don't feel yeah. you need to give me a specific answer. Obviously specific answers are great, but in terms of a before and after the pivot mm. and into working with this particular niche client, what kind of impact has that had on your, your revenue or profitability? Mm. Well, it has, when would I say that I, the pivot truly occurred? It, you know, obviously happened over a couple of months, but you know, I've been, I've known where I'm going and what I'm doing now for, I would say about, about a year. Um, and in that time, my revenue has, it's quadrupled. It genuinely, it has. And not only that, but I've gone from unpredictable income to now having all of my clients on a retainer, which has just made such a huge difference because now I, I have that predictability and I have that stability. Um, whereas before it was very sporadic um, and the, there was no predictability. So, so yeah, it's made a huge impact. And I think that is, it's the best way. It's the only way really to measure, you know, your business success really, isn't it? By, you know, the, the bottom line, what actually, you know, how has it affected your revenue? So, yeah. so yes, that the proof, the proof is in the pudding as it were. Um, but yeah, the, the, the getting people on retainer and actually where you can, I think, putting packages together, grouping services together into packages really, really helps your potential clients, you know, make that decision and work out what might work best for them. One of the worries I've always had with packages, and I know it's very much like niching, that you should mm -hmm. have set pricing, mm -hmm. niche. These are the two mm -hmm. things we're all told. Mm -hmm. Everybody says, yeah, but not me. With packages, again, if, there's, if somebody wants something that's not in the package, mm -hmm. um, or they're willing to spend much more, you think, well, they're, they're not going to connect with one of those packages. I'd be interested to hear from you what impact those packages had when you rolled them out mm. what happened that you were not expecting maybe um well i think the main how i did it was i don't so much have a page on my website where the packages are displayed as it were but i have um a services page on my website which explains a little bit about what i offer and then people can download the price guide which is essentially a brochure which lays out the different packages for video content creators podcasters and bloggers um as the main thing that surprised me was that people started downloading it <laughs> I really didn't think that they would um so that was nice um but I think that the key thing is not to feel that you are boxing yourself in because what I've done, um, and it, anybody who looks at the price guide can see that I have, I've done a set package with a set price per month for each, each of the types of content creators. But then I've also made it very, very clear 
that it's kind of pick and mix as well and that nothing is off the table and then we can put a bespoke price together for somebody who wants something slightly different. Um, so I think that's the best way to do it is to, to try and offer set packages with a price because people do want to know, people do want to get an idea of what roughly they could be looking at, but then make it very clear that you can vary, it can be made bespoke. Yeah, certainly the feedback that I've had from everybody that's done that is it does work, that people are much more ready to engage with you mm. when they know what it's going to cost. Definitely. And the traditional agency model is we don't tell you our prices. You have to come and talk to us and everything is bespoke. And it's actually, from the client's perspective, very opaque. Yeah. Um, they really have to put in a big commitment to you before they're going to even find out how much it costs. Exactly. You know, and nobody wants to waste their time and, and or the agency's time either. So I think, I think it's beneficial for everybody. I think, Natalie, where I'd probably like to go next is if people want to connect with you, how mm. would you like them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think Instagram, as I've said before, is probably my preferred platform. Um, so I am um, Natalie underscore hot content on Instagram. Um, if you wanted to check out um, the website and as, as you say on the services page, you can see if you want to get an example of how you know, your listeners might be able to put, you know, display their packages. Um, that's hotcontent.co.uk. I am on Twitter at Hot Content uh, UK as well. But yeah, connect with me on Instagram and um, you can see work stuff and behind the scenes stuff as well. And your fancy new kitchen. And the fancy new kitchen. You've <laughs> <laughs> been a great guest, so much great content there. And um, I can't wait to see you again. Are you, am I gonna see you in November? Uh, yes, I'll be at Upreneur in november and then after that i think it'll be atomic on won't it yes i'll see you there as well yeah, thank you very yeah. much thank you for having me it's been great i love natalie's business as it clearly fills a powerful need her customers are content creators but that doesn't make them content marketers it's so easy to assume that creators have everything buttoned down but as the most successful people will tell you in any field delegation is one of the most Important keys to success. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe, and if you haven't already, join our Facebook group. You can find a link from the website at bobgentle.com or just search Gravity Digital Marketing in Facebook and you'll find us easily. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean so much to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Natalie for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. And see you next time.